0: A constitutional law attorney, former senior legal advisor, and personal counsel to President Donald J. Trump. Jenna Ellis believes in the rule of law and the importance of integrity in our elections, and she's ready to tackle the big cultural and legal issues facing America. This is the Jenna Ellis Show. Here is your host, Jenna Ellis.
1: Tuesday friends and welcome to another episode of the Jenna Ellis show. I'm Jenna Ellis and we are going to be talking today about a case that you probably haven't heard much about unless you are super, super awesome and savvy and follow representative Thomas Massey, which hopefully all of you do and hashtag sassy with Massey. It's one of my favorites. So we're going to get into that and more. But first I have to talk about my friends at Legacy Precious Metals. You know that this is the company I trust for investing in gold as oil prices have skyrocketed and gone up. Not only do your expenses go up, but the cost of transportation and shipping spikes, leading the prices of goods to rise. We have seen this through Thanksgiving. We're going to continue to see this through Christmas, and we're already seeing record inflation. That's the last thing we need. The Biden administration has caused a financial crisis, and they have no clue how to fix it. So gold is one of the best ways to protect your retirement. And if your money is tied up in stocks, bonds, and traditional markets, you may be vulnerable. So Legacy Precious Metals is the company I trust for investing in gold. They can help you roll your retirement account into a gold-backed IRA where you still own the physical gold. They can also ship gold and precious metals safely and securely directly to your home. So call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866 528 1903 that's 866 528 1903, or visit them online at legacypminvestments.com. All right, so this case that is being heard in federal court today, it's the United States District Court for the District of Columbia. The caption is the Honorable Thomas Massey and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Ralph Norman versus. Nancy Pelosi, among others. So you aren't hearing much about this case in the mainstream media. Why? Because they would rather fearmonger and have all of this fear porn from the new Pope, as as Babylon Bee's headline uh, called him yesterday, which was hilarious. After this show, by the way. So I think that the b is actually taking headlines from this show. Uh, Seth Dillon clearly is out of content, so they're coming to this show. But uh, they're talking about you know the Pope Fauci of science trying to have all of this fearmongering over um, this new virus variant and they're not talking about the impact that this perpetual state of emergency and these insane unilateral rules from all of these petty tyrants from the biden administration to nancy pelosi to governors, state and local officials are having on people like you and me and also members of congress so this case is really important um Thomas Massey, who is a Congress member from Kentucky, he's one of my favorite people in Congress because he is just such a regular guy. Um, he got his degree, actually, Master of Science from MIT, and he loves to tweet about how, um, okay, Fauci wants to call himself, I am the science. Well, I'm the master of science. Hashtag sassy with Massey. It's hilarious. You guys have to follow him on Twitter if you do not. I promise you. Great content and also a lot of wet um, I've known uh, Congressman Massey personally actually for uh, quite a few years. And when he comes on the show, we actually invited him on today, but obviously because of the arguments, um, he was a little tied up, but his comms director promised that uh, we'd get him on the show soon. And I'm going to have to ask about my favorite memory with him a couple of years ago. Um, I actually had a really good friend who worked in his office as, I think he was like a political director, um, something like that anyway, in a political aide in his office who had been a longtime friend of mine from Colorado. So I actually went over to see my friend, got to meet Congressman Massey, and as it turned out, they were celebrating, like, their end-of-year uh, staff dinner at um, one of the great Mexican restaurants that, unfortunately, it was a victim of COVID. So sad, everybody. But um, it was this, like, legendary Mexican restaurant right near the Capitol in D.C. So uh, the congressman is like, well, you have to be a staff member in order to participate in in this lunch. And I'm totally thinking he's serious. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll see you guys later. Great to see you, Austin. Hey, shout out to Austin. And, um, and then he's like, oh, well, we'll just give you the title of intern for like three hours. So I was like, okay, I'm going to totally put that on my resume. So, uh, yes, Politico reporters, if you're listening, that's something you haven't actually uncovered. I was Congressman Massey's intern for three hours, literally just to go drink margaritas and have a great time. With his staff. Best internship ever, right? So we'll have to talk about that and more. But um, all all fun aside and, you know, love Congressman Nasty. I think he's one of the best Congress members currently standing up for truth, liberty, and common sense in Congress. He, along with our good friend Marjorie Taylor Greene and also... Congressman Ralph Norman filed this complaint in the District uh, of Columbia, and it's an awesome lawsuit against Nancy Pelosi. So I just want to read to you the introduction, and then we're going to go through this, and why this matters constitutionally, why this is so important, and why our justice system absolutely has to protect all of us, whether we're Congress members or just regular people from all of the petty tyrants and the insanity of the Democrats. So here's the introduction. Defendants, Nancy Pelosi, right? Because remember, this is Congressman Massey, Marjorie Taylor Greene. They're filing against Nancy Pelosi. So defendants improperly chose to fine plaintiffs through an imminent reduction in their compensation. Plaintiffs, all of whom are members of Congress belonging to the minority party, engaged in the symbolic speech of not wearing a mask on the congressional floor in defiance of the majority party's compelled symbolic speech rule. The 27th Amendment To the United States Constitution proposed by James Madison with the remainder of the Bill of Rights in 1789, but not ratified until 1992 provides, quote, no law varying the compensation for the services of the senators and representatives shall take effect until an election of representatives shall have intervened, unquote. The 27th Amendment is, at its heart, an anti corruption measure designed to prevent Congress from increasing, decreasing, or limiting compensation as a cudgel against political opponents. Despite this clear and unequivocal prohibition, that is precisely what occurred in this matter. Defendants in violation of the 27th Amendment used the reduction of plaintiffs' compensation without an intervening election as a cudgel against plaintiffs, who are all political opponents of Speaker Nancy Pelosi. The fines at issue are also unconstitutional under Article 1, Section 5, Clause 2 of the United States Constitution. That clause grants the House authority only to, quote-unquote, punish its members for disorderly behavior, unquote. Merely entering the House chamber without a mask, as plaintiffs did on May 18th and May 29th, 2021, did not constitute disorderly behavior because it did not disrupt the the House's operations or good order, nor is it otherwise unlawful conduct. Furthermore, Article 1, Section 6 of the Constitution requires that members of Congress's compensation must be ascertained by law. However, the reductions in plaintiff's compensation at issue here were levied under only a House resolution, which does not carry the weight of law, making such fines ultra-virus on their face. Okay, so let's go through this, because there were a couple of legal things here, and also this is just fabulously articulated, and I love reading legal pleadings when it's so plainly clear. So in law school... Uh, kind of what your professors try to have you do in in your first one L year is to start sounding like a lawyer, learn some of these terms of art. Then they basically take it all away from you and say, say this in just common lay layman sp- speak except you have to also use the terms of art. So that's why you have like legal writing, drafting, those kinds of things. And people who just do legal crafting and and, uh, motions and filings and complaints like this, it truly is an art. And um, some of my colleagues through the Thomas More Society in in our litigation and some of the cases that I've been involved in, um, some of the associates there are just, you know, brilliant wordsmiths in terms of complaints. I love legal writing, uh, but I also love, writing that is like an opinion piece that just explains this in everyday parlance. And I actually really credit my professors in law school and also my undergrad in journalism for uh, to to really perfect that craft to be able to just speak plainly what the issue is. I think this is a really condensed, well-crafted complaint because what they're saying is that the, the masks are just symbolic speech. That's being compelled, which the implicit argument there is there's no purpose to masks, right? And so that the data clearly shows that there is no scientific basis for masks. Uh, Dr. Fauci, or as we should call him here, Pope Fauci, uh, has gone back and forth and so have all of the quote unquote experts on whether we should mask, whether we should double mask, whether we shouldn't mask at all. We've had New York City uh, impose then repeal, then impose again, their mask ordinances, and it's all just ridiculous. And I've said on Twitter, and I've continued to say also on this show, that if we didn't have to wear masks at all, I think 99.9% of the American people, basically everybody who doesn't watch CNN and the fear porn, would completely forget that we're supposedly in the middle of this perpetual state of emergency. Nobody would even remember, but because we have to do this habitual... Uh, masking on airplanes. Thankfully, uh, most of the places that I go, which includes, you know, Virginia, now D.C., uh, Florida, even most places in Colorado, my home state, uh, masks aren't even required at all. It's only when I get on an airplane that, of course, they lie to you and they say, oh, this is federal law. But as Congressman Massey points out repeatedly, repeatedly on twitter he's like i don't remember that bill ever going through congress i don't remember ever debating it i don't remember a vote on it why because it's not actually a law it's simply just an a a federal mandate that has come down from on high right that everybody is trying to impose for what purpose they claim that it's health and safety but really it's just political theater and so what the plaintiffs in this case are basically saying is that it's symbolic speech, and they chose to engage in the protected political symbolic speech of not wearing a mask on the congressional floor in defiance of the majority party's compelled symbolic speech rule. So this is a really important point because the First Amendment protects not only Freedom of speech—that you can engage in political speech, symbolic speech, religious speech—and um, you can have your own opinions. You can insert, you can assert them. But the First Amendment also protects you from compelled speech that you fundamentally disagree with. So, a great example of this, of course, was Masterpiece Cake Shop case. If you all remember, Jack Phillips in the case from Colorado that went to the Supreme Court a couple of years ago. Uh, He refused to participate in using his artistic uh, skills and talents to create a message through his art. Um, through symbolic speech of a wedding cake that would be used for a union of a same-sex couple. And he refused to do that. And, of course, uh, the Supreme Court ultimately found in favor of Jack Phillips, and that is um, a continual line that everyone argues of what actually constitutes speech. And if you go back and you listen to the oral argument in that case, um, I thought that Kristen Wagoner, who uh, she argued on behalf of Alliance Defending Freedom— Uh, who represented Jack Phillips, did an amazing job in that case breaking down how speech doesn't actually have to be verbal words. It can be gestures, symbols, art, other forms of communication. And certainly speech, when we're talking about masking, that can be symbolic as well. Just like wearing a t-shirt that has a message on it, that has writing, that has symbols, that we all understand can be symbolic or political expression. And so when you have something that is not actually for health and safety, that it's just a Uh, It's just theatrical. It's just symbolic. When Nancy Pelosi is requiring the minority party, who is her opposition, to be forced to participate in speech, in symbolic acts of speech that they fundamentally disagree with, it would be no different and, and no less protected by the U.S. Constitution than her requiring Thomas Massey or Marjorie Taylor Greene to stand up and give a speech in favor of the Biden administration when obviously they politically disagree. So that's the first paragraph of their assertion is that they're saying this is just symbolic speech and we are choosing not to participate in that speech. And the First Amendment protects the right of individuals not only to affirmatively say and speak What they sincerely believe in and their actual opinions, but it also protects us from not being compelled by the government to participate in speech that we fundamentally disagree with. That's an important point as well. So uh, that's a great argument, and and second, they also explain that the Twenty Seventh Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which was ratified, says that no law which varies the compensation for services of the senators and representatives shall take effect until an election of representatives shall have intervened. So. This is meant to uh, to do two things. One, it's so that Congress can't just give themselves a pay raise and say, you know, hey, we're all going to vote that we get a huge pay raise and then it uh, it takes effect immediately. And so we're just going to take more taxes from the American people and artificially inflate our wages. So it protects the American people, the taxpayers, from an overreaching Congress. But it also does protect the majority from imposing... Fines and other things as a cudgel, which is what they said. Um, And they also go on to say it's an anti corruption measure designed to prevent Congress from increasing, decreasing, or limiting compensation as a cudgel against political opponents. And so for Nancy Pelosi to impose these fines, even though people would say, oh, it's, you know, it's not really that much compared to what Congress members get, it doesn't matter. Even if it was a dollar, that is still limiting compensation as a cudgel to political opponents. What Nancy Pelosi is doing is trying to compel by imposition of a reduction in compensation To these Congress members who refuse to participate in her political speech, she's forcing them to either have to accept that unconstitutional levy or participate in speech with which they fundamentally disagree. It's totally absurd. It's such a petty tyrant move and it's completely unconstitutional. So the defendants. Here, Nancy Pelosi, in violation of the 27th Amendment, used the reduction of plaintiffs' compensation without an intervening election, meaning no other election has passed since this move happened, as a cudgel against plaintiffs who are all political opponents of Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Seems very clear. And then their last argument is that the fines at issue are also unconstitutional under Article One, Section 5, Clause 2 of the United States Constitution, which grants the House authority only to punish its, its members for disorderly behavior. Now, disorderly conduct has a legal definition and something that is obviously very intuitive. Um, disorderly conduct is something that, Would obviously be something that would interrupt, or cause chaos, or um, or other such uh, behavior in. The congressional session. Not wearing a mask is not and does not constitute disorderly behavior because it didn't disrupt the House's operations. And this is obviously just symbolic speech, and so not participating in that would be the same as Congress members refusing to stand up and clap and applaud when the Democrats do, right? When um, or when um, you know if they chose to stand up and applaud when the minority party—that's not disorderly behavior. Um, that's something that obviously is just uh, participating in political speech on the House floor. So merely entering the House chamber without a mask doesn't do anything. So they also go on to say that Article One, Section 6 of the U.S. Constitution requires that members of Congress's compensation must be ascertained by law. And law, again, as Congressman Massey always points out, hey, there wasn't a bill on this, there was an argument, there wasn't a vote, it's not signed by the president, this isn't a law, this is simply a resolution. It is only a House resolution which doesn't carry the weight of law making such fines ultra-virus on their face. And that is a legal term which basically means it has apparent authority of the weight of law but it's actually acting outside the scope of Of authority. Nancy Pelosi here is acting outside the scope of her authority as the majority leader and Speaker of the House to try to not only compel these Congress members who are her political opponents into participating in speech with which they fundamentally disagree, that's unconstitutional, to uh, levy their wages without. An intervening election and doing so without the weight of law. So, this is a really bad thing for Nancy Pelosi. I think this is a brilliantly argued lawsuit. Um, And we're going to follow this continually here on the Jenna Ellis Show. And I wish that more mainstream media was talking about this. Why aren't they? Well, obviously, because most of the mainstream media cares much more about the moronic variant and all of these other things that they want to distract you from, and they're not talking about the constitutional issues with the Democrats' petty tyranny. We need to, as conservatives, always be focused on not whether we like necessarily the political nature of it, but whether or not Any action that is taken by the government, first and foremost, we have to ask the question, can they do that? Can they? That is the constitutional question. And here, obviously, no, Nancy Pelosi and the other defendants cannot. So whether or not you think it's a good idea, your liberal friends think it's a good idea, CNN thinks it's a good idea, it's unconstitutional. Therefore, they can't. If they can, that doesn't mean they should, but then that gets into the political policy nature of the question. So we first have to analyze when we're talking about any legal issue that deals with the government and whether or not uh, any government agent or actor is acting constitutionally. It is whether or not they can. Is there power that is specifically given to that branch of government or that specific agent of government, and can they exercise that authority according to the U.S. Constitution? Even if it's according to law, law can be unconstitutional. We challenge laws all the time in court. The U.S. Constitution is our supreme law of the land, and this is why Biden's vaccine mandates have now been halted in 10 states. They're unconstitutional, even though it's a mandate. Uh, And why so many other laws and things that even if Congress wants to do it, they can't. They have specific limited powers under our U.S. Constitution to act in very specific limited ways. So we have to continually ask the question as constitutional conservatives, can they? Can they? And if the answer is no, full stop, forget it, they're done. And that's why it's very, very, very important that we understand the Constitution and we understand how our supreme law of the land operates so that we don't get pulled into these petty political arguments instead of constitutional ones. Because the argument of whether we should do this, like whether or not masking on the congressional floor is a good idea, That's a political argument. That's a policy argument. But here it's unconstitutional because it is compelled speech. It's compelled political speech. It is just compelled optics and symbolic speech. So Nancy Pelosi can't do this, and she certainly can't impose fines. So again, we have to make sure that we are answering first and foremost the constitutional questions before we get dragged down into the policy arguments. We're going to follow this case. I think that the oral argument here um, was very, very fascinating that was done um, in the United States District Court for the District of Columbia. If you're interested in following this case, uh, let's see if we have the case caption number. It is... 1 colon 21 dash CV for civil dash 02023. And we will continue to follow this and see uh, what the judge orders and how this case progresses. And we're also going to tomorrow Uh, talk about the Dobbs case. That is going to be really important. That is the oral argument that is happening in the United States Supreme Court tomorrow on the abortion issue. So I'm going to be listening to that argument, and then we're going to break it all down for you here on the Jenna Ellis Show tomorrow. So definitely tune in every day. If you are a first-time listener and you happen to Uh, Come upon this episode. Definitely go to wherever you stream your podcast. Click that subscribe button for free. And then every new episode will just automatically load up for you. And you can make sure that you have... The news that actually is meaningful and things that are constitutional and things that, of course, CNN and even other mainstream media outlets, MSNBC, all of the fake news media are definitely not going to talk about. We will talk about them here on The Jenna Ellis Show. And before I go, I have to talk to you about my good friend, Mike Lindell. You all have helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Mike has an amazing offer for my listeners on his standard MyPillows. You will receive a standard MyPillow regularly $69.98, now only $19.98. You will also receive deep discounts on all MyPillow products, such as MyPillow towels, mattress topper, my slippers, my favorite, and so much more. Go to mypellow.com and use the promo code JENNA that's J-E-N-N-A, to receive Mike standard MyPello for just $19.98 or call 1-800-564-8475 and use promo code Jenna, that's J-E-N-N-A. Pillow is made in the USA and comes with a 10-year warranty, so you know it's going to last, and it's Mike Lindell, so you know it's great quality. I'll see you tomorrow here on The Jenna Ellis Show.